In this series from Advanced Biblical Foundations, the Kingdom of God provides believers with an understanding on how to cooperate with God's kingdom while on earth. Welcome to our series on the Kingdom of God. This is part five. Uh, in the last uh, series, uh, last session, I talked about the kingdom comes with power. And I want to sort of continue that as we go through, again, Matthew. I'm going to turn and go right to Matthew chapter 12. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture here that we're going to spend a little time here. Verse 22. One was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. All the multitude were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts or knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. How shall one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Lest he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me. He who is not, does not gather with me scatters. Very, very important passage. And why I want to point out to you the big picture, I mean, what we're experiencing, even in this is being recorded in, um, in 22, but I mean, what we're experiencing in the nation and in nations of, uh, really around the world is that the enemy always tries to bring division because, he, because this is the principle. What Jesus is saying is, is, look, a house divided, a kingdom divided, a nation divided cannot stand. And the enemy knows this. So why this is such an important issue is because what Jesus is pointing out here, and we've been talking about, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Change the way you think. I've brought my rule and reign with me, and I want it here on earth. Just as he planned in the beginning through Adam, which Adam didn't do, he brought it and saying, look, I want you to enter into my kingdom. I want you to operate by my, my kingdom, and I want you to release my kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. There's no problems in heaven, but his rule and reign is there. So what we're really praying in the Matthew, what we call the Lord's Prayer, we're not calling for peace and safety. We're calling for conflict. Why? Because in this age we live in, you can call it the church age, or you want to call it this evil, present evil age, the time between when Jesus went to the cross and before he returns. In this age, the enemy still roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It says, resist him. You know, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. and He'll flee from you, we're told. So the devil still roams about. He's <clears throat> still bringing forth death and destruction. That's his nature. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. <clears throat> I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundant. Very clear that we live in a time when death and sin and sickness are still here. Obviously, we, we all know that. We deal with sickness, we deal with lost loved ones, we deal with the enemy doing all kinds of problems. And so what he's saying here 
is that, look, I brought my kingdom, and it's not operating according to this world system. I want you to begin to pull my rule and reign down, and literally my rulership being released into this dimension. So they accused him. They said, well, you're casting out demons by Beelzebub. And he goes, guys, that doesn't even make any sense. There's nothing. The devil doesn't cast out the devil. But here's a couple of things I want to point out. We've got the name, you know, Beelzebub. What is Beelzebub? Well, it literally means the Lord of the Flies. Um, I grew up on the farm, and we had a barn, and we had a lot of livestock. And, I mean, you're talking about flies, a lot of flies. So you think about that. The name is, you know, it's just a, a name to depict how nasty and how many the spiritual junk that's around the enemy. John 8, 44, he's called a murderer, referred to as the father of lies. In Revelation 12, he's called the serpent of old, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, who accused them day and night. Uh, all these are, are names of the devil. Now, make, let me make it very clear. Jesus defeated the, the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, I believe it says, he defeated the works of the devil. He made an open and public display of the enemy, having triumphed over him. So that's in Colossians. And it says that he triumphed over the enemy. Colossians 1 says that we have been delivered from the power of the authority of darkness and transferred over into the kingdom of his beloved son. There's no place that Jesus didn't overcome the devil. Uh, he went to the cross, he died our death, and he was buried. But then he was raised from the dead to live forevermore, which basically he secured the victory he paid for forever. And so all of this is for us, but we're still here living in this domain where the enemy is still really reigning. So that, that's the point. He's, he wants us to understand that we're here for him to represent him. But his kingdom is available. His rule and reign is available now. I don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience what Jesus has paid for with his life. That's why the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is accompanied with signs and wonders and power always. So when we come to this passage, he's giving us a huge clue. and We need to understand this. He said, look, this is verse 25. He knew the thoughts is that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now, let's talk about it on a personal level. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. But when you think about what he's saying here, he's basically saying, look, this is a major principle. The, the enemy comes to divide. So he wants to divide us personally. Think about it. James 1 says that a double-minded man receives nothing from God. Why? Because he's tossed to and fro all the time. I, well, maybe, I, well, I don't know. I think so. Oh, well. And so he's making a point here. Guys, the devil comes to divide. That's what he wants to do. He wants to divide the family. He wants to break apart the, the union between a husband and a wife. He wants to divide children from parents. He wants to divide parents from children. He just, he just comes to divide. Why? Because in nature, if you think about the way the predator works, the predator always tries to divide 
and tries to get those that are sick or wounded or, or try to get them away from the union of the herd because the strays are much easier or much they can be picked off much easier and so that's what he's always trying to do he's always trying to get us to be upset upset with one another get offended you know i can't believe they said that i can't believe they did that and i can't wow so he's always trying to get us to to get upset or offended so that we we basically back, you know we back off He's trying to divide every relationship that you have. He wants to divide relationships in family. He wants to divide relationships at the office. He wants to divide relationships wherever you work. I mean, it doesn't matter. Church, marketplace, government. Think of what's going on in our nation. I mean, the enemy's trying every way possible to bring division. Well, did you get vaccinated or, do, or not vaccinated? You know, do you wear a mask? You don't wear a mask. And I recognize I'm, I'm filming this, so there's a set time here uh, that, again, may not be, when you're watching this, it may not be anything like that. I can assure you that he's trying to bring division. Whatever it is, he's trying to pit one against another because he knows that a house divided cannot stand. A, a, a group divided can't stand. Can you imagine, just think about the story of the Tower of Babel. If you go back and read this, is that God says that whatever they determine to do and they work together to accomplish it, they're going to accomplish it. Wow. He said, I've got to come down there and confuse their language so that they can't do that. That's not, it's man's attempt. I don't want man's attempt to, to accomplish that. But there's a key here. Can you imagine the power of what he just said? That this is before the cross, before man was restored to a relationship with Jesus. In agreement together. Let me just take you to a verse. This is uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. It says, and again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. One little simple verse, powerful verse. The power of unity, the power of coming in agreement. Now, obviously, you need to come in agreement with God. Uh, how? Through his word and in relationship to him. It's not just, but there's still power even in unity. Think about this. If you could get a group of people to agree to do something and work together you're going to accomplish a whole lot more than just a bunch of individual people doing their own thing. And this is how the enemy works. He tries to get people to come in agreement with him to bring forth his evil desires. But, I mean, if we understand the power of, of agreement and come in agreement first with God and then second with one another, the power of that agreement is huge. And so that's what he wants us to learn how to do. If we're going to see his kingdom come, we're going to see his rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to have to learn how to agree with him through his word by the spirit and us getting together. Can you imagine the power that God is just what he just said here? If two of you, if just two of you could get together practically in your home, if you're married, uh, if you work together in some kind of a partnership, the power of coming together is amazing. Um, in John 17, Jesus is praying that we'd be one with him as he was one with the Father. So he modeled for us again, how do you relate to Father? You become, you, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, so my prayer 
Jesus's prayer is that we would have the same relationship with Father that he had. And that the love which the Father had for the Son would be in us. Wow. So the key here, again, is coming in total agreement with the Lord. Then from that agreement, we can begin to agree with people that we're in relationship with. And I will tell you, you're going to begin to see the kingdom of God come in power. So we're told to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Not go get the unity of the Spirit. Not try to make the unity of the Spirit. No, we're one with Him, and He wants us to be one with one another. So it's the power of that agreement. Uh, and so that's really what He wants us to do. Now, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And why I want us to, to go there is because even though we're talking about the kingdom and walking through basically the, the uh, gospel of um, walking through the gospel of Matthew, we have to understand that though we live here in this time and space, we live in this present evil age, we live in the time between the cross and when he returns. But if we go back to the cross, that was the greatest victory of all time. There's never going to be a greater victory than what Jesus has already accomplished. And he did that for us. He didn't do that for himself. He, he shed his blood, suffered the punishment that he suffered, so that we could be restored to a relationship with Father and that we could then represent him on earth. And so he said, look, you got to repent because you've been raised up in this atmosphere that basically it's nothing but defeat. But my kingdom is here now. It's available. Not in the fullness that it's going to be, because someday it's going to be completely here and the devil's cast out and the whole deal. But in the meantime, we still can access the kingdom. So one of the ways to do it is to recognize that we're in a war. We're, we're battling the sin, sickness, and death, and the devil are still here. But Jesus has overcome all of that. He overcame the devil. He destroyed his works, which means he... We're no longer a slave of sin, Romans says. We're no longer a slave. I'm not longer in bondage. I've been set free. It doesn't mean I can't sin, though. I can still sin. But I've become a slave of righteousness, and so I can walk with him. He defeated sin because he forgave us of our sin completely. Uh, I think by his stripes we're healed, but there sure is a lot of sickness still around. Still sin, too. So my point is, wait a minute, how do I deal with all that? Well, the kingdom of God is here. We're praying for his rule and reign to come. It's here now. I have to change the way I think. His rule and reign, already ruling and reigning, but not yet. How does it operate? Through his sons and daughters, believing by faith in what Jesus accomplished at the cross and that we are his ambassadors now, that we're here to represent him. So Ephesians comes to chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, finally, what he's seen here is that finally, after all that he shared, my brethren, he's talking to believers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Let me just stop there for just a moment. What he's saying is, is that even though his kingdom has come and his rule and reign has come and we get to operate in it, this spiritual dimension, 
the ruler of this world is still here. And the evil forces of principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness, what's that? Well, those are that's the hierarchy of, of authority structures that basically rule and reign. Uh, they influence governments, they influence cities, they influence nations, they influence people, they influence businesses, they influence all kinds of stuff. He's telling us, he's, he's dropping us in on a clue to be able to say, okay, now you understand, down here on this level, it's nothing but bad. The devil, the ruler of this world, the accuser of the brethren, I mean, he's the lord of the flies, he's, he's a liar, he's a murderer, sin and sickness, and all of this is still here. But I've come, and I've brought my kingdom with me, and I've overcome all of that. Now, as a believer, as am I and you, you're in me, you get to operate living here, but you get to bring my kingdom and enforce my rule and reign on the earth. How do you do that? Put on the armor of God. You're going to have to gear up because you've got to recognize we're in a battle. This battle has been won. We fight from victory. We don't try to get victory, but we fight, and we are fighting what? Not people. Do not battle people. A Bible teacher years ago said, if you can reach over and pinch them and they squeal, it's not your problem. But see, the enemy wants to get us upset and offended at people so that the focus begins to be on people, and then what happens is we get divided, and a house divided, a person that can't stand. So the battle is, is understanding, wait a minute, we fight from victory. We're supposed to put on the armor of God. We don't battle people. Verse 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Think he wants us to stand? Now, let me just give you a little picture here. He's not talking about standing like this. You know, just sort of, okay, well, whatever. No, he's talking about actively resisting the enemy, not people. You're actively resisting what's going on, what the enemy is always trying to do. Again, we're talking about a spiritual realm. Kingdom of heaven is already ruling over all of this. And we, in this realm, get to access the heavenly realm into that spiritual design. Let me give you just personal examples. You can, If there's things coming against your family... You've got to be first and foremost, make sure it's not in you. But you can come in agreement with heaven and you can exercise the victory of heaven to dispel the evil forces that are afflicting your family. Maybe it's a church. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's you personally, whatever. But we have the victory in Christ. We come in agreement with him and then we come in agreement together. I was, uh, years ago when I saw that passage in Matthew 18, I was saying, wow, Lord, I need to find somebody I come in agreement with. You know, the Lord spoke to me and said, she's sitting right inside. I went, oh, that's right. I forgot, my wife. Uh, we, we look at all kinds of, you know, wow, I need to go someplace. No, look around you right now. God hasn't made a mistake. He puts you into these environments, the home, family, loved ones, church relationships. Look around maybe where you work. Wow, begin to say, Lord, help me see with your eyes and help me to understand your ways right now. And you'll be, you'll be shocked and surprised that, wow, you can come in agreement and power can be released wherever you are. We're not helpless. He has paid the price for us to have victory. So he tells us to stand. 
Now, you're supposed to stand and put on the armor of God. Make sure you're, you've girded your waist with truth. The truth will make you free. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I, it's not because I, I am righteous. It's because he made me righteous. I, I'm not, it's not because of my works. It's because of his works. Be sure you understand that. Put it on. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel. Take the shield of faith which will be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Look, he's saying this as a summation of the entire book of Ephesians. He starts off by saying, look, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he continues to expound on that position that's being in Christ. And then when he finally gets through, he goes, okay, now look, you've got to put on the armor of God because we're praying for the kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth. We're not praying for peace and safety. We're praying for his rule and reign to come. He's saying, if you're going you're to pray for that, you better put on the armor of God. Because we're, we're battling. We're in a battle. It's been won. Jesus already defeated the enemy. But we're here as a mop-up operation to literally go set the captives free. We're here to represent him, to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. The king has come. His rule and reign is here now. His authority has been, he's already defeated the enemy, and, and it's available today. Accessed how? By faith. we got to believe that Jesus said what he said and what he did. we got to believe that that's truth. We've got to let the Word of God be truth in us. And then what he wants us to do is he goes, okay, put on the armor of God, and come on. He does this as a picture of the Roman shoulder, and he wants us to put on that armor. He wants to stand against the enemy. He wants us to lock arms with one another and come in agreement wherever you are. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's just with one person you come in agreement with. But come in agreement and exercise the authority that's been given to you from his kingdom and bring forth his rule and reign into that area. Starts right here. Starts with me. Starts in my family. Starts in those loved ones around me, where I work, where I go to church. I don't have to save the world. All I got to do is exercise in this space and time that God has given me to represent him, to preach the good news that Jesus has come. He's defeated the enemy. The good news that we can be free, not problem free. I, I hear people say, oh yeah, no problem, problem. No, no, no. We're here for problems. We're here to push back the evil and the sickness and all the pain and the suffering. We're here to bring forth God's rule and reign, which is love and mercy. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. He's not looking for us to do something. He's looking to release his love and his kindness and his compassion into this world. So I want to pray for us. We have so much of the stuff we have been given. A lot of times we don't even realize the victory that Jesus has. And so I want to pray. I want to pray that God would help us to understand while we're not here powerless, we've been empowered and we're empowered by the Spirit of God through His Word and cause us to come in agreement with Him. 
So, Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you that you've not left us here. You've not left us to try to hope we make it. You've defeated the enemy. You forgave our sin. You've healed our diseases. And you made an open and public display of the enemy having triumphed over him. You've been seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, and rule, and might. Every name that's ever going to be named. Everything that will ever be there. And Lord, you've called us to be your body of which you're the head. And everything is under our feet too. So I'm praying, Lord, for every one of us who are watching this, that you'd give us revelation and understanding of the authority that you have. The power of the kingdom of God. Help us to understand how do we come in agreement and to be careful to not let division and not let, and every time we catch that, the enemy's trying to cause division, or we would, um, we would not be ignorant of that scheme because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and how he does it is causing division. So Lord, help us to be aware of that and help us to recognize that we do not battle flesh and blood. Our people are not the problem. But there's a spiritual realm around us that's activating all of that. Help us to see and understand and to live according to your kingdom and to exercise the victory of which you paid for to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we are so grateful and thankful. And we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to... Uh, I really encourage you to go through and pray and read these passages in Matthew. This next session, we're going to go to Matthew 13. We're going to look at the parables that Jesus taught. So I just want to encourage you, keep, keep going through these. Don't just watch them one time. These are so important. There, there's so much going on here. Go through, read the Gospel of Matthew. If you go read the Gospel of Luke. It also is about the kingdom. So thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to build a Bible study, which turned into Sojourn Church, now located in Carrollton, Texas. They've never been the same and hope you connect with Christ in the same way. For more, connect to advancedbiblicalfoundations.org.